Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast with the USA Today Network. Thanks so much for joining us, and happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday! Let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games. And my favorite Chadwick Boseman film is Black Panther. That's a good one. Uh, that's up there. I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies. And my, Black Panther's up there for me in terms of Chadwick Boseman movies as well. And 42 is great. Get On Up is great. But I got to say Draft Day. Draft Day is like probably other than Black Panther is my favorite Chadwick Boseman movie because even though he's not the star, he's like sixth or seventh down on the list. He makes that movie like absolutely makes that movie for me. So, um, yeah, rest in power, King. So I have to ask before we move on, because um, you obviously get to interview a lot of cool people while mm-hmm. covering movies. Did you ever interview him? A few times. I actually, I talked to him several months before Civil War. I talked to him on the phone um, for like a kind of a first look at, at like Team Iron Man and Team Cap for that. Um, so it was, I think, one of the first times he talked about Black Panther and you know, it was it was really interesting because, you know, so many of these characters are so larger in life and, you know, they get toys and kids play with, you know, they they, they act as these characters. And this is before, I mean, this was, Black Panther wasn't even a thing. This was before Civil War. So, you know, I think we'd maybe seen one clip of Black Panther in action. Not, we hadn't seen much. But I asked him, I'm like, you know, is that, have you thought about, what it would mean to you if, like, you saw a kid, you know, the, the chance that kids might dress up as Black Panther one day. And he said, you know, that's pretty dope. You know, the idea of that's pretty dope and kind of why I signed on to the movie because that's, that's so cool to me. Um, and that always stuck with me. And, I, and, and so I talked to him a few times. I talked to him at Comic-Con once. I was on the set of Black Panther. And, and, and what was really kind of neat about that is he never broke the accent. He, like, during my interview with him, he had, like, T'Challa's Wakandan accent and everything. He never broke that. So he kind of really never broke character. And it's, you know, you see that every now and then. You don't see that on a lot of Marvel movies. You saw it on, like, I think I saw it with Benedict Cumberbatch. He, he kind of was always Stephen Strange. But, you know, the thing about Chadwick was he, he had such a natural nobility anyway you know, the fact that he was, like, kind of staying in character during an interview as as T'Challa just kind of leveled that up to even more. It's just, like, you know, just how awesome this guy was and how awesome he was on screen, how awesome he was as a person. He was always kind and generous. And, you know, it's it's just an incalculable loss because, you know, we didn't get that much time with him, but he made the most of the time he had and... You know, we have we have these movies that he did for years to come, for next generations to come. And I think Black Panther is going to mean so much to not only kind of this generation, to, to future generations. And I mean, I, that movie kind of changed a lot of stuff and probably everything, you know, for years to come. Well said, well said. Rest in peace. Um, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, welcome. 
New episodes of Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. Um, if you're on Apple Podcasts, it would be awesome if you could leave a review about the show. Um, by doing that, you help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. But as a bonus, we'll give you a very special shout-out in the next episode. So try it out. Tell us what you want to see from the show moving forward. It's all upside for you. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod. Or you can send an email to MothershipPod at usatoday.com. Uh, let's get to this week's topic. Here's a clip. The world still needs superheroes. So let's get out there. Let's take these down. We are famous now. Don't you worry. Daddy's home. I know we've been through some shit together. But this is a mess. We're the most wanted lads in the country. So what's your big plan? You'll love it. I won't love it. I never love it. Never love it. Noted. That was from The Boys, the Amazon Prime series based on the Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson comic book series that premieres its second season today. The Boys imagines a world where many superheroes are corporately controlled villains and the boys are this underground group that tries to keep them in check. This week's special guest, Anthony Starr, plays the worst hero of them all, the ruthless Superman and leader of the Seven, Homelander, though he gets some competition in this new season. You may have also seen Anthony on the Cinemax action show Banshee. Um, thanks so much for being here. It's great having you. Not a problem. Thanks so much for having me. Um, we've been asking this a lot of our guests recently, um, but how has your quarantine been going? Honestly, pretty up and down, like uh, probably very similar to, to what most people are saying. You know, there's moments of um, feeling, feeling very hopeful and then moments of uh, feeling very hopeless. And it's just, um, I think it's, it's tricky being in the States, you know, where it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like um, there's any end in sight at the moment, and it's been it's been going on for quite a while. So, you know, it's pretty up and down. But um, I'm I'm very fortunate. Uh, I haven't had it, and I don't know that many. I know a couple of people that have had it but recovered. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm very fortunate. There's a lot of people out there really hurting. So, uh, I'm one of the lucky ones. Well, this week the boys has been giving me up. It's been lifting me up. Um, watching watching episodes of that, um, and just how how great that show is. Um, where do you like where the second season takes the story of the boys, just in general as a show, and specifically in terms of the Homelander's character arc? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're really excited as well that that the uh, the show is getting released next week. So it's been a long time between drinks, and I know the fans have been pretty rabid for it. So we're really excited to be able to deliver it um, to everyone, and I think. You know, I, I think people will really like how it follows on from um, season one as well. You know, it's um, it's somehow uh, Eric uh, Kripke, our boss, he said it's going to be deeper for all the characters. It's going to be a lot deeper and uh, rather than going bigger. And that's true. I think you know, season one was pretty big, but uh, we did go deeper in season two. But somehow it went bigger as well. So... Um, he slight he only slightly fibbed on that one, but uh, there was there was a fib in there. But uh, it's definitely I, I think everything that were, that characters had in season one, any 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 sort of uh, anything they gained, anything they thought they had that was solid is taken away from them uh, in season two. And 
all the characters are really uh, put in situations that are, that are in, extremely confronting. Um, for Homelander, that means, you know, having taken such bold steps to, uh, to take control of, of his environment and the people around him in season one, um, he starts season two very confident and then very, very early on, um, basically has any sense of terra firma or, or, or goodness and, and uh, stability is ripped away from him by, uh, mainly by two people, Stan Edgar and uh, the new character Stormfront. They really uh, discombobulate his, uh, discombobulate him. And, and then um, also he discovers, you know, at the, end, at the end of season one that he's got a son. And so that's also a new set of challenges. So season two in a nutshell for Homelander is, is really about teaching the old dog new tricks. So, um, as you mentioned, uh, Homelander is now a dad. Um, how much did it excite you being able to explore um, the parts of this character, you know, as a father, and just kind of what it was like, you know, kind of getting behind what's going on with this guy, knowing that now he's got a son. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting because uh, I, I mean, I don't have a son myself, and. Um, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that benefits or not. Well, you know, I've got so many nieces and friends with kids. So, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I don't know that that fact is in, but, but um, it's interesting though, from, from Homelander's point of view, he's had no real parenting. And so doesn't really, doesn't, doesn't really know how to, how to do anything other than see the kid as an extension of himself and respond accordingly. You know, he's a, he's a pretty narcissistic dude. And, um, so really wants the kid to just literally be an extension of him, like his, his third leg basically. So when the kid does something that he approves of, um, he's a, he's a good dad. And, and when the kid is not living up to his expectations, he's, you know, he's less than a good dad, but it's a very challenging, um, it's a really, it's, it's a very challenging thing for Homelander to be confronted with this little person that he can't control in the same way as other people that um, he wants to build a relationship with, but doesn't really know how. So, you know, like I said, it's uh, old dog, new tricks, and it's, it's really confronting for him. And it was a hell of a lot of fun to sort of dabble around in that, in that world and, um, try and figure out, you know, fresh and interesting and funny ways to sort of portray that relationship and um, as well, give it, you know, give it, uh, give it enough notes and different layers to make it interesting and also uh, not just, not just lean into heavily on comedy or drama or anything, you know, it's quite a, it goes through quite a range in, over the course of the season. A lot of Homelanders, I'm sure, on the script or he's in the comic book as well for you to kind of figure out that character. Mm-hmm. But was there anything that you kind of took in from outside sources? Like, did you think of like him as evil Superman or evil Captain America or something even kind of maybe farther away from that? Did you bring in kind of any outside influences like that for yourself to figure out who this guy is? Um, not uh, well. I mean, yes and no. You know, we're we're, we're I, growing up in New Zealand, the, the, uh, the pop cu- American pop culture is everywhere, right? So we get all the TV shows, we get all the same movies, all the same stuff uh, that, you, that you have over here. Um, and we, we get over there. So you can't really avoid 
the superhero content at the moment. So, and you can't, and so, and, and, uh, you know, the natural progression is that you understand who Superman is. And this is pretty clearly an, an inversion of that. The whole show really is an inversion of that superhero genre with, um, North becoming South and South becoming North morally. And, um, so, so yeah, I guess some of it was, I mean, a lot of it was there on a plate, really. What would Superman do and then do the opposite? What would a good person do, do the opposite? Um, but then, you know, I didn't, I didn't take anyone specifically. I just sort of look at the situations that the character's in and try and figure it out from the ground up, from, from inside and inside the character and figure out why he's doing what he's doing and how he's, how he's going to do it. And then, um, yeah, I just went from there and then it's a collaborative process with the directors and the other actors. And, um, I didn't, I didn't have any, 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 you know, I didn't look at anyone that I know and say, Oh, it's that person. Mm -hmm. Although (laughs) some of the more negative elements might be likened and we may, the word, uh, something, someone that rhymes with chump, (laughs) <laughs> uh, might have might have come in there at some point for some of the less desirable um, aspects of the character, but ironically, I think you know if you if you lean into that person into emulating that person too much, it's a little one dimensional. So uh, we had to go further afield than just one person. So you mentioned Stormfront, who is a new member of the Seven and immediately rubs Homelander the wrong way. Um, what is it about that character? that you like and what do you think that they bring to the show? Um, she comes in right off the bat uh, for, for the, for Homelander, you know, he's used to people either respecting him or fearing him or both uh, and definitely doing what he tells them to do. And she doesn't, she flies in the face of all of that. She comes in, puts him on the spot right off the bat, puts him on a live stream and, um, isn't afraid, doesn't respect him. You know, it's, it's just immediately it's put him on the back foot and just, and unsettled him. So, uh, it, it was, it was great having a character come in because Homeland is, is, is so controlling and you, and, and seems to be able to sort of pull out an ace at every turn in season one. And, and then all of a sudden season two, all of that is all of that stability and that control is, up for grabs and uh you know the great thing is is that they they cast Aya Cash who's just such a nice um friendly warm intelligent funny woman and what that adds to the character makes it you know because it is a pretty especially as the season goes on everyone will see the character is pretty horrendous I would say worst slash nastiest character that we've had and um but because it's because it's Aya in, 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 on many levels uh, because of who and what she is and what she brings to it, it just has so much more dimension and so much, uh, so many more layers than, than it would have if it was someone else. So, and especially when you're, when you're, when you're butting heads with someone and you've got a, you know, you, you have a, a new on-screen nemesis. It's, um, it's, it helps if there's someone that you can get on with, you know, so you can have open discussions with them about, pushing their, you know, what would push their buttons and, and, and it makes all of that stuff a much more enjoyable process. You know, it's not, it's not somewhere where you need life to imitate art or vice versa, you know? So uh, Homelander has a whole thing when it comes to drinking milk that people need to see, probably see the first season <laughs> yeah. to understand the origins of where all that comes from. Yes. Um, 
but he, he drinks a lot of milk in this season, too. How much dairy do you think you drank filming scenes for this second season? Um, yeah, well, um, actually, it was always soy. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so, uh, no dairy over here. I try to avoid dairy, but, um, yeah, no, it, it, it's such a wacky thing. It just came up at the start of the season. That was one of the scenes that was written in there. Um, it was only in there once in, in, in one of the, one of the, at the very start of the season. And then it came out so funny and, and it was just became this little motif for the entire season. It's just surreal. Uh, uh, the, the, so then constantly Eric and I were like, every, every time I got a script, I was like, could I want to have milk in this scene? Could, could I be sipping on some milk before we uh, get into the scene? And nine out of ten times we put it in there. It's uh, it, it's just it's such a bizarre, weird, twisted uh, element to have in the in the season. So it's a lot of fun. Well, it also speaks a little bit to his arrested development to a degree too, where you know he hasn't totally matured to a adult level. You know, no, and I think I think he may have evolved past and, and outgrown suckling. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he is. You're right. You know, I, I always look at it as the, as maybe he emotionally got just stopped growing at about 12, 13. So there's all this ego and resentment and uh, just just a, a mess of um, really poorly defined and slightly out of control and uncontrollable emotions. And and uh, I think, yeah, the breast milk as well. And, and as well, you know, as much as Stillwell, in, at the end of season one, she violated the trust in the relationship. She was also his closest ally, and they came up together. And some bizarre Oedipal mother-lover figure, who knows really what that was, but it was dark and twisted. But she was the closest person that he had, and so it's a, it's a very warped way of reconnecting with her as well. And um, whilst, you know, ostensibly it is, it is very funny to see a man drinking or a superhero drinking breast milk, um, the reasoning behind it is a lot deeper than that. You know, it's actually, he's pining for her. He's really missing uh, his his mummy, his mummy lover. So um, that's one of the things that I like about the show is when we do weird, crazy things like that, usually, if not always, um, there's some kind of deeper psychological element at play for, for the character for one or for the characters. So uh, the boys is very extreme when it comes to action and Banshee particularly was brutal in, in its own right, though right. without all the superpowers. Um, do you like that kind of vibe in a TV show? Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't mind it. Uh, I don't, I don't mind it, but I prefer the boys in that sense from the, from the inside because I tell you, man, doing all those fun, uh, all those fight sequences really hurts. And as I get older, my body breaks easier and heals slower. So uh, Banshee was brutal. It was really, it was a really difficult show to film. And uh, Homeland, apart from flying, you know, most of the stunt stuff that I do is minimal, and I just tend to laser people and things. So uh, it's it's much more forgiving for me. I know some of the others though have r- really get put through their paces there's some really big um elaborate stunt sequences in season two as it was in season one of the boys but um definitely i mean i enjoy those things i enjoy watching them i enjoy seeing them but uh, now i know how much 
hard work goes into them and how brutal they are. I'm always, I always sort of watch them with a bit of a, a half grimace thinking of what the actors and the stunt guys have been through to get there. What was, what was the most challenging action sequence or stunt that you've had to do since you've been working on the boys? Um, since I've been working on the boys, um, I, I gotta be honest. I, I really, I, I, I don't do a hell of a lot of stunt stuff. The only, the, the new thing for me was, um, harness work doing the flying which uh, I really enjoyed and everyone uh, you know everyone said it's very painful and blah 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 and, and, and I, I started doing it and uh, it wasn't painful at all and everyone told me that I had to be very uh, very well aligned ergonomically um, particularly with the waist harness because if you get things in the wrong spot it can be very painful for a man um, and I but I did it a couple a couple of flying scenes I was like ah this is nothing and then maybe the third or fourth time uh, that I did it, I got things slightly out of place and it was, it was blue murder uh, up in the air, stranded, go, let me down, please, 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 let me down. Uh, so I, I, as, as, not as much as a, of, a, of a challenge, but you know, I don't, I don't tend to, the, the, the big fight sequences tend to fall to the younger people in the show, which uh, I'm more than happy to accept. <laughs> so it's been announced that, that Eric's bringing over one of his old supernatural chums, Jensen Ackles, to play yeah. Soldier Boy in the in the third season. What do you think he's going to add to the to the mix of all these other kind of crazy characters? Oh man, I got no idea. Like every time I try and every time I try and uh, guess something about the show, I'm wrong, and then the, and, and it turns up the opposite. All I know is this, is that I, I watched uh, Supernatural right in the early days, a long time ago. And um, I remember thinking, oh my God, this guy's great. And that show has been super successful. And um, those guys have all done a great job uh, on that. And uh, I just hope I have scenes with them because I don't, I don't know anything about season three. I don't know where they go. And we're not sticking to... Um, I know that there's certain scenes that, that people have been like, oh, I hope we get to see this and I hope we get to see that from the comic books, but uh, from the graphic novels. But when we don't stick to the graphic novel um, 100% because I think if you did stick, adhere strictly to the material in the, in the graphic novel, you wouldn't be able to air the show because it's pretty out there and um, there's some pretty graphic and intense Yeah, there's no way they filmed that. Yeah, it's crazy. That, no. No. <laughs> no we, could, we couldn't do that. It's just like, there's, there isn't a network in any country in the world that would air that. So, uh, so I don't, I don't know what we're gonna, what we're gonna be presented with. But, but knowing the talent of that guy and knowing his and Eric's creative, collaborative uh, relationship, I'm sure it's gonna be exciting. And I'm just hoping that we get scenes together and, and plenty of them because I got a lot of respect for him. I got a lot of, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, him and um, Supernatural. So, I'm really excited about it. So, you know, obviously we're all kind of living within this, this quarantine lifestyle and you hear a lot of the stories about people baking bread or starting gardens, things like that while they're in quarantine. <laughs> what if, what's some of the stuff that you're doing to try to keep yourself sane through all this? Oh boy. Um, probably uh, too, too many beers a night or maybe too much, too much wine. You know, the wine with the wine with the glass <laughs> of wine with a meal has gone up to a bottle of wine with a meal. But um, now look, honestly, I, I think, it's funny. It's been like, it's been sort of phases for me. I started off, I, I just got a pressure cooker by, by just by chance uh, before COVID started. And I think my phase one was pressure cooking things. Uh, and then phase two, 
I think was ordering pizza um, phase. It, it always seems to be about consuming things. Though. It seems to be about comforting myself through like through putting things in my mouth, so to speak. Um, and then I think I, I, I had a lot of pizza at one point and then um, I got a little bike, I got a little fold up bike uh, and I've been cycling for a couple of hours every few days uh, and really trying to stay healthy and um, maintain a bit of positivity like that because yeah, I mean, it's just, it's gone on so long now. So, uh, and there's only so much pressure cooking you can do before it gets a little tedious. So I have it, but I have, and oh, and I paint as well. So, you know, I've been trying to, uh, trying to keep myself level, um, by, by exercising and trying to, trying to be healthy, but you know, with varying degrees of success over the course of the last, what is it? Five months now, whatever it is. Well, in, in New Zealand kind of fixed – well, I mean, they've still had little, you know, pockets of trouble here and there. But New Zealand kind of fixed their COVID issues really early. Um, what, do you, what do you miss about New Zealand? Now, now that you're living in L.A., what do you miss most about New Zealand other than, like, you know, loved ones and family and stuff? Yeah, I mean, that, that's – obviously, that's, an, that's the obvious thing is family and friends, um, particularly at the moment because I don't know when I'll be able to go there again um realistically with the you know with the quarantining and work and all that um what what i miss most i mean i really miss, we're very spoiled for um beaches and beautiful coastline and I, I miss that and as much as i mean the california coast for example is, is beautiful um and I, I love it especially the further north you get um it gets pretty pretty incredible but i think new zealand the ability the ability that you have in new zealand to just go an hour out of town and you're uh, you're on your own you're isolated and uh i definitely i definitely miss that there's also no snakes spiders bears wolves anything like that mountain lions you don't have to think about anything other than mosquitoes uh nothing's gonna hurt you so if you go camping or go out on a trail you re- literally there's nothing that will hurt you except maybe the humans so as long as you're on side with them, um, you're, you're okay. So I guess in a nutshell, uh, p- probably because I've been cooped up more than usual, I, I, I'd have to say a lot of the, out, the outdoor lifestyle in New Zealand is, is pretty incredible. And specifically, I guess, proper barbecues. Real, a good Kiwi barbecue. There's nothing like it. Oh, please tell us about a Kiwi barbecue because now I'm fascinated. Yeah, now, what is it now like? we got to find out what that is. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big barbecue person, so I'm really curious now. It's certainly not. Uh, uh, so over here, you guys call barbecue like, the you know, the southern food ribs or whatever. Um, it's the opposite of that. It, you guys call it grilling out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so it's that, but I guess it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's just a little more earthy, a little more grassroots in New Zealand. And it's probably not all that different. It's just the specific indoor-outdoor living uh, set up in New Zealand where it's basically, I mean, look, let me put it this way. I don't know anyone that doesn't have a barbecue. And then summertimes it's, you know, it, I, I remember when I was there, it's basically you never cook inside. I never cooked inside. Every night was just out grilling on the, on the barbecue. So it might not seem that different to you guys when it sound that different, but because uh, the food probably isn't that different, but um, it's just, it's a very New Zealand thing, you know, it's a very, uh, and I suppose uh, Antipodean maybe, because Australia is big on them as well, but it's a whole thing in New Zealand. So uh, I can't wait to get back and have, uh, if, I, if I'm allowed home at Christmas, 
uh, we usually do some kind of Christmas breakfast on the barbecue. So hopefully we'll get there. Yeah, hopefully you will. Thank you so much again for taking the time, Anthony. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you guys so much for having me. Okay, listeners, it's your turn. Um, have you watched The Boys? Are you looking forward to the second season? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, but you can also tweet at us individually. I'm at Brett Molina23. And I'm at Brian Truitt. Don't forget, you can also email us. We're at MothershipPod at usatoday.com. That'll do it this week. Thanks so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilot slash producer of The Mothership this week, Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. Again, while you're there, we would love a rating or review. It helps other people find the show. We get really good feedback. Everybody wins. Um, if Apple Podcasts isn't your jam, you can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next week, nerds out. Wakanda forever.